I think we pick our passions because they fill a need, right? And I think that for many, many reasons in my childhood, I wasn't allowed to speak about a lot of things. My opinion wasn't allowed to be heard. I wasn't allowed to speak up. I wasn't allowed to voice an opinion. And I think that singing did that for me as a kid. Welcome back to an all-new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Heidi. Hey, Jame. Okay, so when we announced our third season, we promised more solo episodes and more sharing. And today... Yay! It is the first of those aforementioned episodes. Ooh, this is Heidi speaking. It was totally Jamie's idea, so I cannot take credit for this. <laughs> but we're actually talking about me today. When Jamie brought up the idea, I actually, full disclosure, I felt a little bit slash a lot of it of resistance, if I'm being totally honest, for a lot of reasons, because I'm not always comfortable talking about my past. I don't know why it's a thing. Um, But as all of you listeners know, Jamie is incredibly persuasive, but more importantly, (laughs) Jamie is incredibly supportive. So here we are today. Also, as some of you know, I am super duper excited about a collab that I'm currently working on with three-time off-the-gram podcast guest, Dr. Daria Long Gillespie. We have come together to create micro recoveries for the Crosslow RX section of Crosslow Yoga. And you can listen to her episode, which wasn't that long ago, where we talked about her massive burnout studies and how she came up with the concept of micro recoveries. So we created micro recoveries for Crosslow RX based on the research from Dr. Daria's Truve Labs and her giant burnout study. One of the micro recoveries that we narrowed our videos down to that was super surprising to me at first, but not after reflecting, is mastery. So doing something that you have mastery in, and for me, that's singing because I was doing it professionally when I was like, I don't know, six, (laughs) and then on and on. And it brings back your sense of accomplishment, your confidence, and that feeling that, you know, like, I've totally got this. Because you've totally got this when it is something that you have mastery in. And that is a total recharge. So happily, I actually got to recently experience this firsthand and totally know that it works. Well, I cannot wait to dive into this, Heidi. I'm glad that you acquiesced and that you let me push you to talk about this thing. Because first of all, I think it's really interesting and that we should unpack why it's interesting or hard for you to talk about your past. Because I think it's so cool and compelling and interesting, but I get it. And then also, I think this is going to bring joy and also help a lot of people today and also just be a fun story to tell. So listen to today's show if you want to learn about a fun, quick way to experience a complete recharge. Life, kids, and years have gotten in the way of you doing something that was once your greatest passion, or you look back on yourself from decades ago and wish you still had that same spark and joie de vivre. All right, Jane. So why did you want to talk about me going, getting back in touch with my love of musical theater? Exactly. So here's the thing, Heidi. I, as you know, my passion is horseback riding. So Mm -hmm. like I was a horseback rider growing up. It was my entire love. It was my sport. I spent a lot of my time on the road at horse shows. And then I gave it up. And when I met George, my now husband, he was like, well, babe, you know, that that riding thing, it seems like it was kind of important to you. Like, would you like to like maybe, you know, dabble in that again? And I was like, whoa, buddy, be careful what you wish for. Because I riding's not cheap. It's also a very all-in kind of thing. But very similar to what you were just 
describing. When I did go back and take up riding again as a hobby, I felt that sense of joy, of mastery. It made me remember, it's like when we're little kids, we're encouraged to do hobbies. Also, you do competitions. You get a blue ribbon. You get a little trophy. You get a little medal. Nobody gives you a medal when you're a grown-up. No, you <laughs> like say, good job, and put a big blue ribbon on your shirt. It's very rare that we get to have these little moments of joy and just doing something for ourselves and something that we just love to do as an adult. And I know that for me, riding is what I call equizen. It's the one thing, equa, of course, for equine and zen because it is my one true happy place. It brings me into the present. When I heard that you were having a return to your musical theater roots, <laughs> both individually and with your kids, I was like, oh my God, it's her Equizen. I am so happy for her. And I just thought, what a great like entry point for our first solo episode to share about what it could look like to get back in touch with a childhood passion. What do you think about that? I love it. I love it. And I, you know, so just so everybody here has a little background, most listeners know that I moved back to Connecticut, not far from where we grew up. And so by proxy, I am close to the theater that I grew up in. And the theater company that really sort of lit me up and really ignited my passion for theater in a way, I was already doing theater but the founder, Cheryl Kemeny of Crystal Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut, was the person who, who turned the light on for me, really. And she was the first person who really believed in me and showed a lot of interest in me and really fostered my talent and spent time on it and helped me thrive. When I moved back here, she <laughs> reached out on Facebook Messenger, which I checked like, I don't know, once a year. <laughs> and she was like, oh my gosh, I see you're back. We're doing a 35th anniversary benefit for Crystal Theater. You know, I know you're a mom of three, so you can't, you know, like do the part that you did when you were younger um, because you don't have time to come to rehearsal every single night of the week for three months. But would you consider doing a small part in this benefit? And in my head, I'm like, this woman hasn't heard me sing in like 20 years, maybe, maybe 15. Like, I'm like, what is she thinking? <laughs> but also, she was one of the most important people in my life period, full stop. I was never going to say no to anything she asked me to do. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and we get together for the first read of this show, which was amazing. And like walking into that theater was amazing. And it just brings up so much of such a happy, uh, successful time in my life where, you know, there's, as you mentioned, like when you're a child or even when you're in high school and college, there's not, or at least for me, I can speak for me only, like there, I didn't have the weight of the world on my shoulders, right? I did have a roof over my head. I wasn't working to put food on the table. I was just trying to be the best me that I could be when I was in high school. It was to get into college and then, then you chase the next and the next and the next. But like at that time in life, I just needed to be the best me I could be. And it sort of brought back that feeling of like, oh my God, this was like my heart opened up. It was kind of amazing just walking in and then we did the read through and then she was like, well, how about your kids? Are, can they do this? Can they da, da, da? And I was like, Ugh. because I've definitely mentioned this before, I think. As soon as my kids were born, all of my old agents and managers were like sending gifts trying to get me to sign them. And I was like, N to the O. <laughs> Just because this was something that I did does not make it something my children will do. They get to choose what they want to do. I'm not going to force this life on them. That's just not, that's not it. That's not in the cards. It's never going to happen. And if I'm being fully transparent, they actually asked to do theater. And I, because 
Alex, my husband, is so supportive and cheerleader and all that. With And he was like, you know, mommy did this and mommy did that. And mommy and I'm like, mm, 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 stop, stop, stop. Because then the kids are like, well, we want to do that. And I just, it was so important to me that they develop their own personalities and decide what they get to do on their own. But when I came home from that first reading after that conversation with Cheryl about the kids being involved, Alex was like, Heidi, they've asked if they could do theater before. You're actively preventing them. And I was like, (gasps) so So what do you think that's about? Like, are you, was it, well, I I know exactly what it's about. I've done a lot of work on it. What? Okay. So I took theater so seriously Mm. from such a young age. And I can remember the last time that I wasn't the leading role in a show. It was my first show. Every single show after that that I did, it was leading role, leading role, starring role, starring role, starring role, title role, title role, title role. I had, as a child, there was no room for mistakes. There was no room for error. There was no room to mess up. It was perfection or bust. And I, as a child, was wound so tightly, or I don't know if I realized it at the time, but like all I did was practice. And, you know, one show wasn't enough. I needed to go to three rehearsals a day. And then it was just, and no one put this on me. I put this on myself. No one put it on me. It was an external pressure. I was the one who chose musical theater. I was the one who chose more and more and more and more. And, you know, it was a position of privilege that my parents would drive me to those places, quite honestly. So as you've gone back now, have you been able to put some of that? Is that creeping back or are you able to just have fun? That was my fear with the kids. And I said this to Alex and I said this to my therapist and I said this to Cheryl. I was like, my biggest fear is that I'm not going to be okay with them not taking it seriously Mm. and them not being perfect and which is ridiculous I mean I love my children with every fiber of my being I don't expect them to be perfect about anything yeah but that's a good awareness but that was such a fear it was such a fear for me Jamie I was terrified that they were going to be like messing around and not taking it seriously and I was going to somehow like turn a switch and freak out on them or something like I wouldn't be in control of my emotions somehow right that's interesting because I am going I'm taking the kids riding in a couple Mm -hmm. weeks and I've taken them riding before and also my kids are boys and this is totally sexist so I'm just going to start right there totally sexist (laughs) like no usually boys aren't as into riding same with theater yeah, and theater. And, mm-hmm. and and it's mostly in this country, too, by the way. It's not like mm-hmm. that in, in Europe. Like, riding is a very masculine sport. But in, mm-hmm. in the United States, typically, like, I'm, I don't really think my boys are going to, like, take it on as their sport of choice. You know, they also do soccer and baseball and whatever. But um, I kind of let them have fun at it. But me, when I go back, because usually when, when I take them to ride, I'll also ride. And every time we've done it, we've done it three or four times. By the end of one day, I'm like considering buying a horse. I'm like, oh, well now obviously I need to lease a horse and we need to go to all the horse shows and I need to like get all the new gear and I need to, and like, it is so hard when you've excelled at something, it's very hard to go back to it as a hobby. Yes. But I think there's some really deep, important personal work to do there. And also just like a level of awareness, right? So if I go back into it, just telling myself, like saying, okay, you might be compelled to make this a bigger deal than it needs to be. And also to want to put in more then you actually have time for, but maybe you could just look at it as a moment of joy mm-hmm. and, you know, a brief dipping your toe back into something that really brings you happiness. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that you're able to do that? 
Oh my gosh, so much yes. Um, so I'm not involved with the production that James is in, but I am assistant directing the twins show. And it is just to get to watch them do it and to get to help them do it and to get to be in the rehearsal room with the, you know, the dance room with the bar and the mirror. And like, it's just so invigorating. And to see their joy is it just exponentially magnifies mine. And that's with them. And then when I went to the first rehearsal, I think it was only like last week where I learned like the song that I'll be singing in the show and the choreography for it. I just lit up in a way that I can't remember lighting up in forever, which is almost like sad to say, but it was just so amazing to get back in touch and like be doing that thing that I loved so much for so long. And the last time I did this show was maybe 25 years ago, no joke, this specific show. It's called A Spinning Tale. It's the musical version of Rumpelstiltskin. And I played, you know, the Miller's daughter, Melinda, who's the one who has to spin straw into gold and gets Rumpelstiltskin. When I was, you know, I don't know, a senior in high school or early in college, that was probably the last time I played her. And so I'm coming back and just playing like a really fun comic role. So part of me was like, am I going to be okay? Like not being the star? I don't know. I've never not been the star in like however many decades. I don't know. And I'm like, of course I'm okay because I'm a mom and I don't have time. Um, (laughs) But like just to get back in there and like do the thing and learn the music and sing. You know, I think we pick our passions because they fill a need. Mm. Right. And I think that for many, many reasons in my childhood, I wasn't allowed to speak about a lot of things. My opinion wasn't allowed to be heard. I wasn't allowed to speak up. I wasn't allowed to voice an opinion. And I think that singing, I mean, in the yoga world, like it's it's very much your fifth chakra is your communication center. And if it gets blocked for that type of reason, it's really challenging to unlock it and to open it back up. And I felt like singing did that for me as a kid, you know, and specifically musical theater because you were acting and you were somebody else. So you got to say all the things and do all the things and be bold and be, you know, whatever that character was. And it wasn't you and you couldn't get in trouble for it. So I just think that being able to, you know, come back and just sort of inhabit a role and sing the song and do the choreography, it just, it was just, it gave me life. It really did. And it sparked so so much joy and I mean yeah maybe I dove in a little too deep like doing all three of these things at once like having James and something doing the directing of the twins and doing the benefit show but I mean maybe that was maybe that wasn't the way to get in or maybe it was like I'm not not really a halfway person like I don't really do things part way you know like I'm all in or I'm not at all (laughs) I'm just yeah I'm not good at the in-between because I don't like to feel like I leave anything on the table. That's yeah. true. I think maybe I'm usually like that too, but I think maybe with hobbies, especially, I have to get better about being okay just doing a little. Cause I think even with riding, it's been something that I've for a long time said, if I can't like get ingrained in a specific barn and really get the kids into riding one pony, and maybe I have a horse that I'm riding there too, and I'm part of the community, and then I'm not going to do it at all. And it's like, why couldn't I just go take a lesson? Yeah. You know, maybe I could just go take a lesson and just enjoy a Sunday mm-hmm. morning. That couldn't be the answer. Yeah. So I think that like dabbling in your childhood hobbies as an adult, 
you have to do it with some intentionality and with some self-awareness and the knowing that it might not look the same as when you did it as a kid. Because by the way, I have a lot of my girlfriends who now have gone back to riding and are back on the show circuit and doing it because maybe they have some disposable wealth and they're able to kind of pick it up again and do it as an adult and God bless them. I'm not in that position where I have the disposable time, unfortunately, like at all. And so I can't do it that way. So there's a part of me that's like, well, I don't want to do it at all, but that just not the answer. So I think that the challenge is like the self-awareness, right? And that's one of the things we were talking about, like going pro versus passion. Like, because when I was at the end of my riding career, my early twenties, I was like, is this going to be, it was this just a really nice hobby and it's time to move on Mm -hmm. or is this going to be my job? And I had to make that decision. And when I made the decision that I wanted to go and do public relations and not be a professional horseback rider, I quit. I quit riding because I just didn't have time to do it anymore. I did end up going back to it as a in my late 20s because it saved my life after I got out of rehab and I got sober. I went back to riding for a couple of years, which I'm so lucky that I did. But it, for me, it was kind of like all or nothing. And I think now is a really interesting time to reevaluate, like, what could it look like to bring a passion back on board? By the way, when I got sober, my sponsor had me make a list. She goes, well, what types of things do you like to do? And I was like, well, what do you mean? She was like, I mean, what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. And I had spent so many years on weekends being hungover or still mm-hmm. awake and cracked out or, you know, traipsing around town like a hooligan, you know, from nightclub <laughs> to nightclub. I mean, I had lived in New York at that point, Heidi, for 10 years. I don't know that I had been to Central Park more than once or twice for like an event. Like I never just spent a weekend on the lawn having a picnic. I had never... I was never going out to the beach on the weekends and or going on boats with my friends or taking a trip to the mountains to go hiking. I didn't know what made me happy. I truly had lost all touch with hobbies or with just what brought me joy, you know? Yeah. Do you think that was more because of the addiction side of things or do you think that was more because of the all or nothing, like you had thrown yourself so wholeheartedly into writing that you didn't leave yourself room for anything else? No, I think at that point, you know, if you had asked me that question in my teens and early 20s, I would have said riding. That's my right. that's my passion that brings me joy outside of school or work. But by the time I had gotten into my addiction, I had lost this sense of play or my sense of play was caught up in nefarious things, right? So like it was all play, but it was play to a very bitter end. And so I had to reconnect with things that were light, not dark, that were mm-hmm. <laughs> my sense of play and that brought me joy. And it's a really interesting thing as an adult. And I wonder if our listeners could question themselves right now. Like if you were to take a piece of paper and make a list of five, and I challenge you, 10 <laughs> things that you truly like to do outside of Or used to. Or used to like to do, right? What are those things? And it's such an interesting question because they don't have to make you money. They could just be things that you enjoy doing. Not that your kids enjoy doing, that you enjoy doing, right? Right. And I think that's so hard. I think for probably any grown up, but I can speak specifically as a parent, just as you just mentioned, you think of so many things through the lens of your children or like I'm a parent and this is what I should or shouldn't do and I don't have time for X, Y, Z because I'm a parent. And it's like, well, what type of example? And this is what I came down to for myself. I'm like, what kind of example am I setting for my kids if I have all work and no play? Hmm. That is such a good point. A story that I just told at the speaking engagement I was doing in Austin, you know, I shared with you earlier, Heidi, that one of my tips was, um, I was talking about solopreneurship and one of my tips was solo 
but also YOLO, meaning you're a solopreneur, but also you only live once. And if you don't take care of yourself, meaning self-care, but also leaning into your passions and the things that bring you joy, you're going to be in trouble. The story I told in context with that point was actually we had gone to Woodlock and I think, yeah, it was you and I were there together, Heidi, but I think it was the last day and I was just on the bumper cars with Mm -hmm. Mason. Mm Mm-hmm. So Woodlock is, for anybody who doesn't know, is a really fun, uh, all-inclusive family resort in the Poconos and Heidi and I had gone together. But Mason, my seven-year-old and I had been on the bumper cars. It was our last morning there. And he really wanted to go just with me on these bumper cars. So we'd get on these cars and it was just the two of us in there and we go whipping around and we're crashing into each other and having so much fun. And at the end, he just stopped and he looked at me and he said, mom, I don't think I've ever heard you laugh that hard. I love this story. And that broke my flipping heart because what I realized was like, he rarely just hears me bellow with laughter because usually I'm pretty caught up in the anxiety of my professional life, you know, seven days a week. My brain is at least half in it. And it's not that we don't have fun and that I don't spend time with my kids and that we don't do a lot of hobbies and go see movies and do fun things. But how often am I just so lighthearted so enjoying my time in the present moment that he just got to hear me belly laugh. Not very often, apparently. And it really made me reevaluate, like how much am I really making space for enjoying my life as I should? It's like, you can't take it with you, dude. You, nope. No one's ever seen a U-Haul going after a hearse. Like you don't <laughs> take it with you when you die. You got to just live while you're here. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I completely agree with you. And I think that For a lot of people, specifically for me, taking time to do something for me is really challenging. I'm just going to be honest. It's really challenging. If I can't tie it to a work thing or a parental thing or a spousal thing, it's really, really hard for me. I mean, you know, me doing yoga every day, I view that as work. I mean, it's also for me, of course, like to feel better and to feel my best self and all those things. And that's why I made it my work which I also want to talk about like passion versus work um, and protecting your passion from your work some. But I had to do like mental gymnastics in my head to do the benefit, right? I actually had to say like, well, this is, it's for a benefit show. Like I'm not getting paid. I've, you know, the I can't remember last time I'm going to get paid to do a show. I'm doing this for the, the joy of it, for the love of it, but also in service because I'm giving back to this theater that gave so much to me because all of the ticket proceeds go back to the theater to help it, you know, get bigger and better and recover from COVID and all of the things. So I had to do that mental gymnastics to be like, oh, but it's in service of, even though it actually is really just like pure joy and the biggest gift to me ever. It happens Which to be I like- love that, Heidi, and I'm glad that you were able to talk yourself into it from that standpoint. But like, what about spiritual currency? Yeah, no, Totally. I mean, I will sit and force myself to meditate every day of the week, <laughs> but it doesn't. It, yes. And what you're right, Jamie. And I don't know, maybe I said this to you, but I, I can remember coming back from that rehearsal where I learned that first song and just thinking like my soul feels alive. My soul is happy. My heart is happy. I feel like I just lost 15 years of my life. Like I'm younger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just... The medicinal power of joy Mm. is so, so irreplaceable. Like there's nothing that you can do instead of that. There's no shortcut for it. There's no replacement. Joy is medicine for your spirit. It is. It is. That was a 
great, beautiful question. <laughs> I, I want to challenge everybody listening right now. Like I want to challenge you listening right now. Okay. You know who you are because you, you're listening to this episode for a reason. This episode came into your ears for a reason today. The universe is telling you, take a piece of paper and write down three things, write down one thing that you could do to reclaim that type of joy, to pay yourself a little bit of spiritual currency. And then don't just write it down on a piece of paper and throw it away. Make an appointment, whatever it is. In your calendar. I'm actually, you're inspiring me, Heidi. You're inspiring me. When, when we get off this, I'm committing. When we get off this podcast, I'm going to actually make, because I was just talking to George about it last night. I was like, I got to make another riding appointment for the boys. And I just haven't had time. We're traveling so many weekends. I'm going to get off and I'm going to call because apparently horse people don't answer emails. I have emailed a few times. Huh? And that's my excuse. Well, I emailed. They didn't email back. It's like, they're out there taking care of horses. I'm going to call mm -hmm. and I'm going to make myself a riding lesson for the pure fun of doing it. I love that. And I hope that all of our listeners can do something like that. And I just want to add to what you said about, you know, to really think long and hard about something that you could do that's going to give you joy think bigger, think broader. Don't mm -hmm. think within the confines of your current life. Like really do go back decades. However, however much time you have to go back to get to a time when you really felt pure unbridled joy, that's where you need to go back to. And then don't try to make it your job and your work. Don't fall into that trap just because you're excellent at it doesn't mean it has to be your job or your profession. You know, you don't have to quit your job to do, to pursue your passion. You actually can make space for both. Yes, it can be challenging. Of course, life is challenging, but it can be done. And I think that's such an important sort of aspect of the whole thing is if you were pro at something before and it is your passion, going back to it, you know, as you said, adjust your expectations, all those things, you know, be kind to yourself, leave yourself room to not be who you were when you left at the top or whatever, but also don't try to go at it from a professional mindset. Yeah. Go at it from a joy mindset, from for fun, for the love, for the pure love of it, just so you can experience how your soul feels when you're doing this activity that brings you joy. Don't let your brain get involved and be like, you know, I really could do this again. I really do like this more than the business I built. I right? was really good. I have that door open. I could, I could, I could. If I did this, 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 and this, that's what you have to stop. Right. Right? Like, I think your passions really need to be protected. Mm. I mean, I stopped doing musical theater because when I moved to New York, fully intending to do musical theater, all my agents and managers said, nope, TV is where the money is. Movies are where the money is. We're not sending you out for theater. And my soul died a little bit Aww. in that moment. And Aww. every day after when I'd be like, but can I audition for this show? Now there's no money in it comparatively, right? Because that's just sure. true. Dollars and cents, that's what speaks to them. And I always was in my head, I was like, well, I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. And then I found myself in a place where I was very successful on screen and television and I hated it. I hated it. And that's when yoga came into my life and that whole transition happened. And then yoga was my passion, though, while I was still acting. And I did get to do theater at the very end of that. But there was so much more of the other stuff that yoga became my passion. And then yoga became my career. Yeah. And for the longest time and the whole time, I actually said no to teaching at the studio that was my happy place. Right. Because you don't want to think that. 
I was trying to protect some part of it, right? So I say all that just to be like, your passions have to be protected. They do. Turn your brain off. Everyone who's listening, you are going to make an appointment to do the thing that brings you joy. Take time, make a web, do whatever to get your brain back to that place where you, and don't push it. Right? Like, don't be like, I can't do that anymore. Right. You can. I don't care if you were a dancer and you haven't danced in 30 years. You can. Are you going to be the same dancer you were 30 years ago? Of course not. But guess what? That's totally cool. As long as your heart experiences the healing and the joy that emanates from you doing that act, that's what's important. And you can't judge yourself when you do it. You just have to be present like Jamie and Mason on the bumper cars, just yeah. be present and just, cause it's a gift. That present moment is a gift. <laughs> Take the moment at present as a present of the moment into the woods, Stephen Sondheim. I love uh, that. <laughs> love musical theater. But you know what? Also, like if you are a mom, what a great lesson truly to teach your kids, you know, just being okay with just the doing and pushing yourself to do interesting things that are outside of your comfort zone. And for me, like, you know, horseback riding was my actual like sport and hobby, but my other passions included like writing, uh, creative writing. Like I love creative writing and I have to Jamie, write so I never knew that about you. Isn't that oh my crazy? God. I, growing up, if you asked what I wanted to be, I wanted to be a writer or a writer. That's what I said all, every Aww. day, you know, when I was a little kid. And now I have to write so much for work that I very rarely write for fun. But occasionally I will find myself sitting down at my computer and a stream of consciousness will come out and I'll just, it's like so cathartic. Yeah. So again, it doesn't even have to be something that you're, that is expensive, right? And it doesn't even have to be something necessarily that's structured, but you have to put aside the time, you know, if you like to do pottery, if you like to, you know, sit down and, and write or do some sort of art. My Oh, my sister is a great example. Mm -hmm. Another really fun one. My sister has a an Instagram account called Doe Life, like Play-Doh, D-O-H-L-I-F-E. She had a real artistic flair growing up and then she became a mom of two and she was, you know, busy and just kind of lost the time to do any sort of arts and crafts because she was a grown up, grown up <laughs> woman. But this is what I'm talking about. You can't throw away exactly. the activities that aren't deemed grown up. Keep going. And I just wanted to point funny, that out. She did end up making it a bit of a business, but only because she truly loves it. And so like it just, whatever, it, it authentically became a business. But her kids were potty training and it would, anyone who's potty trained kids, it's so labor intensive and it takes so much <laughs> damn time and you're sitting there with them on the can and you're like, Jesus Christ, what is my life? And you're sitting on the floor of a dirty bathroom and you're like, <laughs> why? Just why? And she started doing, playing with Play-Doh literally to pass the time. Mm -hmm. And then she started making some Play-Doh creations to kind of uh, memorialize the moment that literally like showed her kid on a, like a toilet. It was funny. It was comedic Play-Doh, right? It was comedic a sense of play with arts and crafts. And she started taking some pictures of it and putting it on Instagram. And it started like, it was hitting. People were loving it. And she ended up creating, you know, this whole Instagram account called Doe Life that has now become, she's now an Instagram creator with Play-Doh as her medium. But her just allowing herself to have a sense of play during what was a very stressful time in her young motherhood life allowed her to find this entire other avenue of just joy and a sense of expression for herself that, you know, yes, she views it as a business, but she really views it first and foremost as a passion and a creative outlet. And I think it's so great. It's amazing. And I love that you just use the term expression because that's what so much of this is about, right? It's about self expression because the older you become and you know if you have kids the more children you have 
sort of less of an individual you can feel because you're part of something bigger. You're the matriarch of your family or you're this person's mom or you're this, that's, you know, and you're this and you're that. And you you have all these labels thrust upon you and you sort of forget your origin story and who you were and what made you tick. So going back to these passions, I mean, like, I swear I forgot parts of me that resurfaced at that rehearsal that I keep referring to. And I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like I did used to have, I was, it was always said that I had like ice in my veins when I was a kid doing theater because I never got nervous. I would just go out there and belt it out and do my stuff and then I'd be done. And like, I never broke a sweat and I never was nervous. I didn't understand why anyone would be nervous. It was just fun. It was awesome, you know? And so there's a little trepidation about going out and like performing a show because I haven't done it in so long, but I'm not, that thought has crossed my mind and it is as quickly left. Because I'm like, I'm literally doing this for the joy of it. It is a benefit for the theater company that made me who I am today. And the fact that I get to be a part of the benefit and have anything to do with giving back to this amazing theater company, that's everything. That is such a gift. There are no nerves involved with that kind of gift. Well, I think that is a beautiful place for us to start to wrap. I really, really loved exploring this. You know, even if it is just pushing past those nerves as part of the exercise, right? I was actually on somebody's podcast yesterday and he was asking about my origin story. It was really cute. He was really going back and he was asking me about horseback riding. He said, well, what did you get from horseback riding? Like as a kid, what were the lessons you were learning? And I thought back and I thought, well, I, question. it was a great question. And I thought it was my first experience of having to push through fear. It was my first experience of being a human who can do hard things and knowing that about myself. I was terrified of riding. I think anybody who has half a brain in their head is scared to ride around on a one-ton animal. I mean, this is scary. (laughs) But I did it anyway. And I was probably more scared of my trainer than I was of falling off. But that's part of childhood sports, right? Like you should respect your trainer. But it was the first time that I, I had to push through fear and felt that sense of pride and accomplishment. And by not doing that anymore, by not making myself push through that fear, I'm robbing myself of that opportunity. To grow. Right? So and to feel the even if there is that trepidation about going back to that thing, whether it's physical or just your ego, yeah. push through the fear, right? Yeah. Give yourself that gift. So I think we've left everybody with a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to leave anybody with a specific karma call uh yeah if you're not going on jamie's amazing retreat weekend of april 22nd and you are in the fairfield county area come to the amazing benefit that i'm performing in it's called a spinning tail it's at crystal theater in norwalk connecticut 6 30 on saturday april 22nd there will be massive amounts of food and beverages included in your benefit ticket and it's just It's full of alumni of Crystal Theater. Those are the only people performing. It's going to be an incredible show and you should come. And also do something every day that scares you. (laughs) I love that. With that, we will wrap. Thank you everybody for listening along today to our little adventures. If you like this solo episode and you have maybe thoughts for other solo episodes, hit us up over on Instagram. We are Off The Gram Podcast. Our DMs are always open. We'd love to hear what you want us to talk about. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time. 